but I believed her because I didn't know better. And after like $40,000, which of course I never made back. And the reason being that I never made it back, this was the worst. She went with this title that I thought was catchy and I had no idea. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'll be your worst podcast host today. And I'm here with featured guest, Marsha Reynolds. Marsha, are you ready to rock? I am. Thank you. You're welcome. Glad to have you. Let me introduce you to the audience. Dr. Marsha Reynolds, Master Certified Coach, is fascinated by the brain, especially what triggers feelings of connection and possibility. I love the possibility part. That's awesome. She draws on her research and life events as she helps coaches and leaders make conversations into transformational experiences. She has provided executive coaching training programs and keynote speaking in 41 countries. Interviews and excerpts from Marsha's books, Outsmart Your Brain, the Discomfort Zone, How Leaders Turn Difficult Conversations into Breakthroughs, and Wander Woman, How High-Achieving Women Find Contentment and Direction, have appeared in many places, including Fast Company Psychology Today and the Wall Street Journal. That's a good mix, <laughs> business and psychology. But her latest book, Coach the Person, Not the Problem, became a bestseller the day it was released this past June. Marsha's doctoral degree is in organizational psychology, and she has two master's degrees in education and communications. My gosh, someone would think, what a studious woman. But she also feels she's gained an invaluable education when she turned 20 in jail. With the support of her cellmates, she chose to rise back up and show the world she could succeed even when she was told she would fail. She went on to accumulate degrees, rise up in male-dominated corporations, and now teaches leadership and coaching classes worldwide. She's recognized by the global gurus as the number five coach in the world. And oh my goodness, am I happy to have you on today. Marsha, take a minute and fill in for the tidbits about your life. <laughs> well, yes, I do have degrees, but that's because it's my favorite hobby is learning. But I always say that that time in jail was my, my best degree because I truly learned about people and life and what was important and about myself and what I could do. So that was like a, a pivotal moment for me to uh, say, you know what, I can do this no matter what people say and get back up and helps me to deal with when I make bad decisions because I've made many of them and still come back. And so I know I can do that. Mm. I mean, I know the experience of being knocked down at a young age. When I was 14, I was in what was called the Dan Street Detention Center in Akron, Ohio. And I was there because, which was a juvenile jail. I was there because I had basically freaked out at my parents' home, smashed out windows. My parents called the cops and the cops came and arrested me. And my parents filed charges of incorrigibility at the age of 14. Now, of course, I was high on drugs and many other things that I was doing at the time. But the point is I went into that jail. I was in there about two weeks. Then they moved me into, I'll never forget. I know my mom's listening to this. So let me just reveal this one story. Basically, they pulled me out of the jail cell on the day that the judge wanted to, you know, cure the case. 
they got me into the courtroom and my parents were on one side and I was on the other. And the judge looked at my parents and said, do you want me to be tough or easy on him? And my mom said, tough. The judge put me into a halfway house or a what's called foster home, which I stayed in for that summer. And then, and then eventually, you know, the story goes on from there. But the point is, is that unfortunately, I mean, I did learn from being in jail and what I learned is that I don't want to be in jail and therefore I've got to, I've got to be more sneaky. And that's really what I learned in that point in my mind. But ultimately what I learned is sometimes when you get knocked down to the bottom, it makes life a little bit easier because as we go through struggles, like right now during coronavirus shutdown and all that stuff, I can think to myself, I can make it. I can do it. Yep. Right. Totally. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever, ever, ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Okay. Well, you know, we had a little conversation before about the difference between being an author and a writer. And I always saw myself as a writer and wanted to write books. And so when I left my last corporate job and had time, I, I wrote this book and this woman said, oh, you must work with this book packager. She's going to make life so easy for you. She'll make all the decisions. She'll find all the people you need, you know, to do layout and covers and, and you won't have to worry since you have no experience. And I had no experience, and so I I trusted her. It seemed a little expensive, but I didn't realize that every little thing, she'd like, oh, you have to pay extra for this. You have to pay extra for this. And at one point, she even had me do pay what turned out to be a friend of hers who was an artist. She convinced me that, oh, having original art as a book cover would be the best thing. Well, of course, my next book, which was hugely successful was just clip art and it it was great you know but i believed her because i didn't know better and after like forty thousand dollars which of course i never made back and the reason being that i never made it back this was the worst she went with this title that i thought was catchy and i had no idea so the title actually kept me from getting reviews and getting it in bookstores. The title was Captured the Rapture. Well, I'm Jewish. I grew up a nice Jewish girl. I had no idea that the rapture had anything to do with any religion. And when I went to bookstores, they're like, well, is it, it must be a, a Christian book. And I'm like, no. Well, but the rapture, and so that she didn't even catch that or tell me. So I spent all this money for books that are still what's left sitting in my garage. All right, but I learned everything you should never do when you self-publish a book. And so, like I said, the next one was hugely successful. And, and then I've published with a publisher. And, and now I have stories about working with publicists, good, bad, and good investments, bad investments. It's a tough business. It's a tough business. Very. Well, before we get into the lessons that you learn, I just was going on to Wikipedia here and it says, the rapture is the transporting of believers to heaven at the second coming of Christ. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And I'm Jewish. So yeah, it doesn't kind of fit. 
<laughs> okay, so tell us what lessons did you learn from this experience? And keep in mind that there's a lot of people listening right yeah. now that really want to do their first book and they really need these lessons. Right. Well, I learned that you should always get lots of references. Don't just trust one person that says, oh, you should work with this person. It'll make your life easy. No, you've got to really look at past experiences and what other people have said and talk to some of the people that they've worked with. And I've learned that any of that, you should just piece it out, find what the expertise is of the person. So like I have a layout person and that's it, you know, and then I'll do promotion with somebody else. I run titles by my target audience. You know, so it's mm -hmm. like, so what do you think of this title? You know, like do a survey monkey and have them help me choose it. So I know who I'm talking to. So I don't do a title that is wrong. So there's a little bit more research you should put into this than thinking, oh, it's just going to make my life easy. And especially if you don't know what you're doing, be careful, be careful. So how do you, um, let me ask you more on these lessons because take your average person, yourself at the time, you don't really know, you, know, you want to rely on this person. Okay, you know, the references and stuff, you know, but how do you know whether you should go? I mean, it's the ideal solution of what you really need is all in one. Yeah, And the point is, you know, now, you know, now to go and break it into some parts and stuff like that. But I'm just curious, at that time, you know what, there's been many times in my life where I know I made the decision because it seemed convenient and easy and it was the wrong decision. Mm. Uh, be careful of, wow, this makes it sound like it's going to be easy for me. Easy usually is bad investment. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? That's good. So it's like, yeah, no, no, you have to like take your time. You've you're spending a lot of money, so really research it out. And again, talk to people that work with the person. And if they won't give you clients, then walk away. Walk away. Got it. Okay. I think great lessons, you know, the trust, get the references, and then focus on people's expertise and maybe employ people for their expertise only. And, you know, the other thing is the idea of convenient and easy. You know, the fact is, is that, you know, it's hard enough to write the damn book. I don't need to, why, please, someone help me to do the right. Nope, sorry. Life's hard. You yeah. want a good result? I mean, why is it most people don't have a good book that's highly rated, like your current book, for instance. It's very highly rated, and it's just been out since June. You know, if you want good results, unfortunately, you got to work for it. And I think that's, if I summarize what I take away from your story, that's the first thing is that, you know, it is, it is actually the hard work that is the hurdle that most people won't get over that actually, once you get over that hurdle, makes you valuable and makes the book valuable. Yeah. And you know, Andrew, it's not just like hard work. It, I don't know that it was really hard. It's just time consuming. And I think that's the thing because it wouldn't be that hard to do it. But mm. it's like, oh, I have so many things to do. I don't really want to do that. I'm going to trust this person. So again, be careful you know, and really looking at, it's a return on investment of spending the time to get the right people. You know, it's always, one of the coaching questions I ask is, okay, it's a year from now, what are you going to regret not doing? And ah, people often will see the things that they were avoiding they need to do. 
And it's great that you mentioned that it's, it's not that difficult, it's time. Because sometimes when we get overwhelmed, it does seem difficult. But the truth is, it's not that difficult. It's just that you've got to put in the time. And then the second thing that I take away from this is that try to find people's strengths. You know, if they've got a strength in choosing a title, if they've got a strength in artwork, if they've got a strength yeah. in, you know, editing, it's very rare that you can find all in one. And if you do, and it's good, it's going to be damn expensive. Yeah. Well, right. Right. Yeah. Like some of the publicists I've worked with. But, you know, I think oftentimes, like in, with writing, is, you know, you tend to be a creative which means you don't want to do all those other things, the business things and the details. So again, it's not that it's hard, you just don't want to do it. But as you said, that's a part of life. There's going to be things we don't want to do, but if you don't do it, you're going to be sorry. Yep. yep. You know, because you're going to spend money that's a waste and you'll be sad. <laughs> and you're behind on your, you know, your goal of communicating your message. So based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Let's take a man or woman out there who is, you know, embarking on the journey of creating their first book. What one piece of advice would you give them? Honestly, it's not as expensive as, as you think. So when I first put out the money, I was told, well, and she told me it was going to be a bestseller and I was going to make a ton of money, which didn't happen. So no, especially with books, books don't make you money. It's the business you leverage from the book that makes you money. So, you know, there's really good people out there for half the price than those expensive people. So don't let price fool you. So the layout person I've used a number of times She's not cheap, but she's not the most expensive. She's right in the middle and she's fabulous. Mm. But okay. I did meet a number of people that worked with her and said that you will love working with her. You know, she's quick and she has good results. So one of the other interviews I did a couple of years ago was Viola Llewellyn. And she's an impressive woman who has a story about startup. And she talked about how she was raising capital. She found a company that was going to invest in her startup and her startup was, you know, financing SMEs in Africa. Very interesting and, you know, fantastic woman. And, but what she said, the lesson that she learned because the money ended up not coming and she said, check the references that they don't give you. Yeah. You know, Back. dig around to try to find, yeah. you know, somebody that was disappointed. Right. How did it, how did that go? You know, obviously everybody's going to give the references that they want. And that was her, her message was, I thought was interesting. But the main point is do the work yeah. on the references. That's a critical thing. Right, right. You know, when we look at like Amazon reviews, I always look at the one stars <laughs> as well as the five stars. Because I want to know who were the disappointed people? Why were they disappointed? That's great advice. Yeah, yeah. Well, when, when I published my first book, How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market, I identified 30 books that were potential competitors, you know, that have already talked about this type of a subject. It's not like I was rocket science in what I did, but I went through all the negative comments on each book. And from that, I was identify, I was able to identify kind of, maybe you could say I was playing defense at the time. 
And I was able to identify the things that turn people off on what were really pretty good books, such as the person's personality was just too strong or he gave too much political views or whatever it was. And I started to kind of come off with a list of the top five or 10 things. And from that research, I was able to kind of check those things off to say, you know, keep it short, get to the point, don't bring in a lot of extra opinions that's from outside great. and stuff and that that's one way of doing that research so checking references and like before we go on to the the last question i i would love for you to tell us and tell the the listeners about your latest book coach the person not the problem which is available on amazon on kindle audiobook paperback and i'll have it in the show notes what's the key yeah. takeaway Generally, people are just stuck. They're smart, but they're stuck. So they don't need you to fix them. They don't need your great advice. They just need you to help them think in a broader way so they can see where they're stuck and they can see beyond. And that's so powerful for people to have that aha moment. Like, of course, of course, I didn't see this because I was looking over here. I was afraid of moving forward that this would happen. And so this is about just helping people think more broadly for themselves. So it's written for coaches, but you know, whether you're a leader or a parent, you know, there's great advice for helping people reflect on their thinking so they can see beyond this box that they're stuck in. And in the book, you're talking about this reflective inquiry the question then is you know how are most people doing it and they they're not helping people or we're not communicating the way what would you say is the way that most people are doing it and what your book is adding to that you know to say here's how you know we heard a little bit about here's how you do it but curious how other people are doing it and where that flaw lies yeah well besides the fact that telling someone what to do doesn't work um <laughs> mm. A lot of people think coaching is just asking questions, but so you heard one of my degrees was education. And I believe coaching comes from education. A guy named John Dewey who wrote a book in 1910 called How We Think was an educational reformer. And he wanted teachers to get students to think more broadly for themselves. But he said, it's not just the questions, you know, just say, so you're telling me this. So here's what I hear that you think about the situation. Or I notice this is the piece that makes you really angry. What that does is it takes the story out of your head and puts it out here where you can see it and you can actually objectively look at your story. And you can see the gaps in logic. You can see like the old beliefs, like that's crazy, I believe that or my fears about the future that are just made up. Because we don't know, especially right now, who knows what next year is gonna look like. Mm. Um, but you have to get it out of your head. And we don't do that well on our own. We just don't really self-reflect. So having someone outside of us just to reflect, help us, you know, just by telling us what they hear, what they see, so we can hear and see ourselves. And then ask a question about that. Like, how do you know that's true? Or, you know, is there any other way you can look at it? The question isn't what's profound, it's the reflection. And it's interesting because when I think about the word reflection, reflective, now I'm thinking mirror, right? When I stand in front of a mirror, I think I pretty clearly see my face. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we don't see our 
our thoughts or our actions as clearly as we would see, you know, our physical manifestation when we, you know, are in a mirror. Well, I'm going to even contest that a little bit, that we don't even see ourselves fully in a mirror. So in the book, I even talk about my first master's was broadcasting. And I worked, my first job was in a mental hospital. And I was studying how to use video as a mechanism, feedback mechanism to help us improve our communication, self-esteem. And so I did some work with the anorexic patients, these women that looked in the mirror and saw themselves as fat, even though they were dying. But when I videotaped them and showed them the video, the active replay, it's like they saw the truth. They saw how emaciated they were. So I call this active replay. So when I share with you what I hear, what I notice and the shifts in your emotions, you don't see that. And you don't hear the nuance in your words. So it's not like you can mirror this yourself. And like there's a book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Yes. And right. And he says, we don't self-reflect. We don't stop and do that. We need what's called an external disruptor, which is what coaching is. Is that mm. I can disrupt your pattern by just saying, wow, that's a really interesting thing you just said. Can I share what I heard you say? And then all of a sudden it's like, I said that? I think that? Well, no, I think something else, really. I don't know why I keep saying that. So it, it takes it out of our head. And, and it's an active replay, not just a static representation. And so when someone's coming to you for coaching, it means mm -hmm. that they, in theory, they're open to listening and hearing and they, they want to make that breakthrough but they aren't able to see it. And when you present it to them, you know, here's some things I'm hearing that you're saying, and then a light bulb goes on that, hey, wait a minute, that's not who I wanna be. That's not who I, you know, it reminds me of- Or that's uh, crazy, I think that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. People have always seen me as a positive person. My mom has always been, you know, my family's always been positive and I think about that. And I remember when I was under a lot of pressure at a particular job, and people would say, you know, how are you doing? And I'd say, ah, oh, it's so tough. It's tough right now. It's a lot of stress. Oh, it's so hard. And do you have time to talk? No, I don't have time right now. And everything out of my voice, out of my mouth was negative. And I don't recall the event that sparked it, but I, there was just a day when I just realized, what am I continually saying to people? And at that point, I started to create a mantra. And that mantra I've used for years, and that is, I say, all my words are positive. And that is my mantra that I say, all my words are positive, all my words are positive. I try to repeat that regularly. And by doing that, it helps me to become aware when I am going off on that, which I believe is damaging when you just go off on a tangent about how bad everything is. So that's a tool that I've used. It wasn't, I can't remember how the breakthrough happened that I was able to observe myself, but you know, it's this observation that you bring to clients, which is fantastic. And let me ask you if any of the listeners, you know, want to get in touch with you or something. I mean, I'll put everything in the show notes about the book and everything. But if someone says, I need Marsha as my coach, how would they do that? Well, my website is covisioning.com. So okay. co one word. Yep. And that's the best way to, to find me. Perfect. Um, yeah. I'll have, I'll have that on the, on the show notes. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? 
Well, actually, I'm doing this massive program called Breakthrough Coaching with this World Business and Executive Coaching Summit. So it's going to be a six-month online program where you're really going to learn how to change people's thinking, help them have breakthroughs. And it's just a, it's a massive program with resources and videos and, and practices and and coaching and mentoring and and I'm so excited but it's overwhelming. <laughs> but when I do coaching demos for them, I get 2 3000 coaches show up to see me coach. So That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so there'll be participants from all over the world that are interested in this and that that's exciting to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And is there a link to that that I can put in the show notes or is that a private um, event? No, it's not private, but I, but it's not quite up yet. Okay. But, you know, again, if you go on my site and sign up for my newsletter, I'll be announcing it. Perfect. Perfect. We're going to have a free masterclass next month, and I'll see if I can't get that link for you. Perfect. Perfect. I'll put it in there, and I'll be there. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Marsha, I want to thank you again for coming on the show, and I want to congratulate you for being one of the brave ones. I say uh, brave because when I ask most people to come on the show, they say, no, Andrew, I'd prefer to talk about my winners. So you've now turned your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Mm, I think you just said it, that as long as you learn from an experience, you should never regret it. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is Andrew Stotts, your worst podcast host, saying I'll see you on the upside.